Hey, I'm Taylor Dorson, and this is the Professional Technical Interviewee. Technical interviews are hard, and every company does them differently. On this show, I interview engineering leaders to see what they look for in technical candidates, and then they perform a real technical interview with me. My guest today is Jeff Miller. He's currently the Senior Director of Platform Engineering at Yellow. He's also worked at companies like CUDA, NCSA, and Innova here in Chicago. He's mentored and spoke to many coding boot camps, so I hope you enjoy. All right, well then let's get started. Uh, hello, Jeff, how are you? Doing great, how are you? Doing very well. Thanks so much for, for being on today. Uh, Jeff Miller is the Senior Director of Platform Engineering at Yellow here in Chicago. Uh, he's also been Chicagoland area in a number of different Director of Engineering roles over the years. Uh, but could you give a little intro of Yellow and kind of what your role looks like now? Yeah. So Yellow helps uh, Fortune 50, Fortune 100 companies, uh, so very large companies, hire uh, the early talent of their business. So um, the, the JP Morgan Chases of the world or Ernst & Young or you know, very large companies, we help them hire people directly out of college or, or, or their first job, which is a, a little bit different challenge than hiring uh, experienced um, experience people for roles. So, uh, and then my role there is on the platform side of the, of the house. So I have a peer that runs our feature teams and they deliver, uh, they deliver features every day that go directly to in front of the customer. Whereas uh, my teams do a little bit more of the plumbing, more of the, uh, not quite infrastructure, but just like upgrading Ruby, upgrading Rails, uh, you know, uh, creating really foundational pieces for those feature teams to then use for customer facing features. Oh, interesting. I, I feel like that term platform engineering has a lot of different meanings, at a lot of different companies, but that, yeah. that makes a lot of sense to kind of separate that out because I think that's such a a common issue that you see in engineering teams, right? Is that yeah. you're pulling people off of production to do these things that don't seem as mission critical, but if you're not pulling people off of production to do that, then all of a sudden it builds up and, you know, everything explodes at one point. Yeah. So there, there's a, it's a variety of tech debt and also enablement features, right? Yeah. Uh, so how can we make our developers more effective? Uh, that might be, you know, CI CD pipelines that might be uh, speeding up the test uh, suite, you know, all of those type of, annoying little things but if you don't do them they, like you said they'll build up yeah interesting and um it's been a couple of years but if i remember correctly yellow is primarily ruby focused yeah so we primarily have ruby we have a little bit of elixir uh we also on the front end uh are moving most of our stuff to react and then on the back end it's uh postgres and and then we have a data warehouse and all that kind of stuff uh, for for reporting yeah great Oh, that's exciting. Uh, and then is there, um, I guess I'm curious because I know you haven't been there a terribly long time. Have you done technical interviews, I guess, on either side of the table or both sides of the table um, recently? So uh, not at not at uh, Yellow, but uh, in my role at FUDA right, right prior to this, uh, we did do uh, quite a bit of technical interviewing and then, and then I've done it throughout my career. Uh, always been on the front lines of interviewing, so. I love it. Is this something you enjoy doing? It is something I enjoy. I do uh, find interviewing to be, you know, the uh, the maintenance of culture, right? So you're you're bringing someone new into the team, and, and by definition, almost the cult the culture will be influenced. And so, uh, want to make sure we have the right people on the bus, so to speak, and uh, and uh, and yeah, also just build that rapport with people coming into the company. Absolutely. I, I, I've said this many times, but I always think of it as a culture ad rather than a culture fit, right? It's exactly. like, it's going to be impacted in some way and it, you're trying to make sure it's a good ad, right? 
Yep, that's exactly right. So, I'm curious what you're evaluating for um, when you're doing technical interviews. I, I guess it, it probably changes depending on the role in the team, but maybe specifically um, what you're interviewing for or what you would be looking for now and then kind of what you've done in the past as well. Yeah, so what I'm generally looking for is, um, so the, the companies that I tend to gravitate toward myself are, are you know, either B2B or customer facing companies. They're not like the highly academic uh, type of companies um, where where you're asking somebody to write a B tree or you know like very yeah. academic type of questions and so so what I'm looking for is I'm going to be presenting the candidate with a problem that generally hopefully relates directly to the business in some way or is the same type of problem that we face um, uh, you know on a day to day basis and so what I'm looking for is uh, yes there's a certain amount of just general competency. But, um, but really it's like, do they value the same engineering principles that we value as a team? Um, so that's generally what I'm looking for. Yeah, how do you ask questions around that? I am curious. So sometimes it's questions uh, and, and the, qu the questions I would say are more like, how can we make sure that they're forward looking the right, uh, uh, the right candidate for the team? So. Mm -hmm. um, if we're a service-oriented architecture, for instance, which, by the way, yellow is not, but we, we do have some services, but it, I wouldn't say we're, we're completely service-oriented, but teams I've worked on in the past have been. And so do they have experience with, uh, you know, AP, like communicating with APIs or do they know best practices when it comes to, um, you know, uh, uptime and, and uh, communicating between services, whether that be message-based or, or REST or graph or, or whatever mm -hmm. the technology we have and that's more forward looking so that we can continue to add to that, that skill set to the team to bolster while we're uh, up like upskilling for lack of a better word the people internally yeah. um and then uh the the i guess the, the what i'm really looking for though is is how they solve the technical challenge like what do they gravitate toward um how do they like uh purport themselves during during the interview right if they if they um, you know, this might be giving away some of the second half of this interview, but or of this conversation, but, um, you know, do they just get the problem hole up and then, and then go in a corner and then bang it out and, and maybe succeed or maybe not, or is it very conversational? Are they asking me, are they probing, uh, for, for prop? Like I, you know, we, we, I haven't intentionally done this, but sometimes there's a typo that it causes a significant change. Cause I, I rotate these questions and, and so somebody's like, wait, this doesn't quite make sense. Uh, are you sure this is what you meant? And yeah. sometimes the answer is no. Like I accidentally put a typo in there. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's actually funny. Um, just thinking of how in interviews things can often go wrong, just like in production, right? <laughs> or, yeah. or when you're when you're um, you know building for production, you just you're stuck on something for days, right? As you go, oh, it's this little thing that we assumed was correct, and you, sometimes you skip that portion. You're just looking at the part that you thought you changed, right? It's, yeah, it happens all the time. And I I heard um, I was working with someone who was recently interviewing with Apple, and they <laughs> said actually the code sample that they were sent had an issue, and they didn't realize it until halfway through the the interview, right? Which could certainly cause issues yep yep that's yep, interesting and yep. um, do you have do you have a standardized system that you use uh when you are doing technicals and it seems interesting to me that um you might have to have different kind of stages and different processes depending on the seniority of the role you might also have to have um you know 
especially for your team, like certain types of like take homes almost. I'm just curious what that process looks like. Yeah. So it's, it's evolved over the years, right? Uh, I think at the beginning of my career, everything was like, you know, on site and started it with whiteboards and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think, I mean, my thinking has definitely changed. Uh, I never really liked the whiteboard, uh, you know, problem. Um, but uh, so I, I guess my, my general sketch of, I guess, uh, how I, how I interviewed today is start, starts out with a, uh, a phone interview. Uh, generally with one of my senior engineers or myself, uh, where we are kind of um, probing for general general competency, uh, making sure that when we get the, per like bring the person on site or, you know, the full interview, um, it's, uh, it's th th that they're not just completely over their head, right? Mm -hmm. um, and obviously that that level, that bar changes with the, the, the role we're hiring for. Yeah. Um, there's also a bit of like, you know, uh, is this a person that would add to the team? You know, what are they going to bring from a, from a non-technical standpoint? Um, and so, so it starts out there, uh, you know, assuming they um, get through that part portion. Um, we still call it on-site, which is so strange because nothing's on-site these days. But, um, you know, the on-site portion of the interview, which is, again, all virtual these days. And um, But uh, I, I do believe in take-home tests. Uh, you know, I feel like they accommodate for people's life situations in a much better way um, or, or different, not only life situations, but, you know, personality types. And I just think it's a much more real world um, example. And I'm not terribly concerned about someone, you know, Googling the exact solution to the problem because we're going to be probing into it. Uh, like we're going to be talking through their code with them. So, so if they can't talk through it, you know, uh, then you know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be very evident. Right. Um, so, so sorry, after they get through that phone interview, we give them the take-home test. Uh, we don't have a strict time limit. Uh, generally we say, you know, I was telling you before the show, we, um, I do all of the problems that I give out to, to candidates, um, myself, and I generally have one of my engineers do it as well. Um, and the, the, the purpose of that is just make sure this thing is relevant make sure I know what we're asking people to do and the time commitment involved there. I target them for 45 to 60 minutes. So if I can't do it in that time frame, well, how can I expect someone else to do it in that time frame? I'm not saying I'm the best programmer ever, but like, um, you know, I should be, I should be going through the same process is, is my mm -hmm. opinion. Um, and so we, we give it to them. We say, you know, here's the problem. Shoot us any questions you have, give us a like when you think you'll get it back we also don't like require a 24-hour turnaround or anything like that again uh somebody who uh is fresh out of college uh a 24-hour turnaround might be fine uh, nice. uh somebody that has you know uh, a, a kid at home or or other life obligations or you know they're they're currently at a job like it's just an unreasonable expectation in my opinion yeah. so so we leave the timeline open-ended uh we just say you know when when can you get it back to us and but then and we hold them to that. So if you say a week and you get it back in a week, that's just as just as good as, you know, I'll get it back to you tomorrow. And uh, it's actually worse if you say get it back tomorrow and you give it back to me in three days. Sure. Um, um, so so that's the take home portion. Mm -hmm. uh, um, then when when uh, we go through the full interview, um, it's a generally um, we, we obviously go through that code with the person. So you send it back. Uh, one of our senior engineers, um, I generally have the engineers run this portion of it, um, but I have, you know, I'm always there in case someone's sick or something that day. 
but uh, we go through the code with them, talk, mm -hmm. like have them explain it, talk through it, you know, ask questions on our own. We generally have then questions that extend the problem. We don't, I don't ask people to generally live code it there, right? It's yeah. just like, how would you extend your code to uh, accommodate for this situation? Um, and then if there's significant portions missing that we, that are valuable to us, uh, namely tests, um, we, we dive really deep there. Mm -hmm. um, so then beyond that interview, there's generally an interview with the manager, like so whoever's gonna be managing that person. There's an interview with uh, our product, uh, some somebody representative from our product team, because to me, the relationship between engineering and product is just so critical that they need to have input into who we're bringing onto the team. And Absolutely. then generally a culture panel, uh, you know, some, you know, people that are uh, very passionate about our team and that they want to make sure that uh, this person's going to be bringing something great. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a pretty detailed process and it sounds like built in mind for one to be accommodating, but also to have, I don't know if checks and balances is the right term, but really to make sure that, that everyone fits well with the existing team and has the skill set. So I'm sure there's some training, but at least can hit the ground running to some extent, right? Where it's not a huge ramp up time for, for individuals. Yeah. I mean, that's the goal, right? Uh, you know, I, some, some companies have this philosophy that you should commit and release on day one. Uh, I'm not quite that aggressive, but I do want the person when they start to, you know, just sit, sit right down with somebody and just start pairing with them and start, start um, getting an idea of what their day-to-day -day is going to be like. Um, and so we want to bring that as much into the interview process as possible. Yeah. You mentioned doing the technical yourself or having uh, one of your senior engineers do the technicals as well. I, that's really interesting because I don't think I've heard that mentioned from a lot of people, especially at the, you know, the director level or, or above. Um, I know a lot of people get hands off to a certain extent, but I think that's something that just seems so valuable to know what are you actually sending out, right? Because it's easy to look at a problem and go, ah, that seems good, right? And kind of send it off without really thinking how much time is this going to take, right? So actually yep. doing it with a timer, that's really interesting. Did, how'd you start doing that? Or when did you come up with that in your career? So it used to be more of a conversation a couple of years ago where people would be concerned that, um, oh no, our problem's going to get out there on the web and people are just going to be able to Google it and or they'll know what they're, uh, getting into coming into the interview. Um, I've never had really that fear or that because I, you know, we let's just rotate it frequently, right? I mean, yeah. if you do, if you do dozens of these interviews, you kind of get bored of the problem anyway. So, um, so I think it's, it's always good to keep things fresh. Um, and so but you want you want some consistency for a role, for instance, like you don't want to give different people a different problem within the same role. But you know, switching it out once once a year or once every 18 months or something like that that's no problem right and so to me that was the, just the best uh way to gauge the expectations that we're asking yeah. our candidates to do right i've had you know even so for some higher level management jobs you get asked to do a coding challenge and uh you may not have to like produce the perfect code but you they want to know that you can relate with engineers and that kind of thing and some of these problems can take hours and hours and i just find that that's a, an unreasonable expectation for for candidates so Oh, especially for a maybe, right? That's what yeah, I exactly. I used yeah. to always ad advise um, companies that I was recruiting for that had really long take homes or really even really long processes. I was like, you're one of many companies this candidate's uh, 
very likely speaking with, right? And if you have a eight hour coding challenge or a, you know, sometimes 15, 20 hour coding challenge, they might get to it. But if someone else is going to bring them to an onsite, you know, after two conversations, well, they're probably going to go to that onsite, right? And they might be exactly. gone before they ever think about getting to the coding challenge. Yep, exactly. That makes sense. It, it's curious that idea of, you know, a coding question getting out there, like being Googleable um, as being a big concern. I've heard that a lot in the past, but it also seems like it's going to come up in the interview process, right? You're going to probe around that. Um, yeah. And also a lot of engineers would, do that and you know if they ran into a problem day to day that they would need to google for right yeah uh, so obviously you don't want it to be a one-liner that they can copy and paste and go here's the solution and not have to ever talk about it again but yep. it does seem like there's there's checks in place so if someone was able to find an answer online you're you're able to tell right it's not like they at least should do more research around that right <laughs> yeah yeah i agree i agree yeah it's interesting uh Okay, I'm curious. In the past, when you have done technical interviews, um, you know, when you were more uh, interviewing for for maybe more like hands-on technical roles, how did you think you did in those those interviews? Um, I, I'm always curious. Range the gamut, right, from complete and utter failure to wow, just nailed that one, right? Uh, and I I definitely think there are some tips and tricks that can help you get closer to that um, that nailed it end and further away from the complete failure. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I would say it, it really ranged. Was there any particular type of question you felt like you, you didn't do well at or type of interview you thought you did do well at? So, um, I used to give talks similar to this, uh, to new grads, uh, either at colleges or at, uh, like dev boot camp when, when that was a, a thing here in Chicago. And, uh, I, I gave one once with a, a partner. So, uh, Joe Massey, he currently works at, uh, Home Chef. Uh, oh, Joe's great. Yeah, Joe's great. Um, so Joe interviewed me uh, for Innova when I when I was joining as a hands-on engineer, and uh, it was a, a whiteboard coding challenge. So everyone loves those, and uh, it was uh, basically the make change problem. Uh, mm-hmm. If you if you've uh, they, they, as far as I know, they don't give this question anymore, and they definitely don't use whiteboards anymore. But um, but anyway, it's a uh, it, it was it was not good. It was a pretty much a train wreck. And uh, obviously, I mean, if you look at my resume, obviously I did get hired eventually. Um, but uh, but uh, Joe and I joke about that because like, you know, he, he was just like, I can't, I can't even with this guy, right? And, and eventually <laughs> um, got hired anyway. But, uh, but uh, it was, it's just a funny story that, uh, you know, it, something can go really poorly and you can then end up not only getting hired, but doing really well at the company. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's such a hard thing to, and part of the whole goal of this this show is just giving insight into what that process is like and, and trying to de-stress technicals, right? Because I think that's such an easy thing to fall into is you're in that situation where you go, oh no, I, I don't know how to solve this, right? And it's been yeah. 15 minutes of a 30-minute interview or 45-minute interview. I'm no closer to solving it. And, you know, I was really invested in this company either mentally or even emotionally sometimes and then it just feels like the world's going to explode right and sometimes it you just have to turn it into a learning experience and totally you, know, agree. you can laugh about it later right yeah exactly and you know try try to get some learning i mean you have access to a probably a senior engineer for an hour and so see what you can get out of see what you can learn see what you know i i hope uh the industry is evolving in terms of like not sitting there and 
pointing and making fun at people uh, for not solving the problem. I think it's, I hope that it's becoming more collaborative and more, you know, um, more of a learning experience. And so that's what I've seen, or that at least that's what I coach my uh, interviewers on is like, if this person is just deer in the headlights, not going to make it, just bring them along. Right. Yeah. And you, you can get, you can get, you can just code it all out there with them. Um, and we may not, you know, move forward with that candidate, but at least we've given them a good experience and they're going to walk away with some, some better knowledge. Totally. Turning it into a candidate experience, um, thought process instead of a, I'm interviewing this person thought process, right. It's something that I think maybe it's a difficult transition for some people to make while interviewing, but I feel like so important if you actually want that person maybe to come back in the future, at least not say bad things about your, <laughs> your company. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Later. Whether, whether you're, they could, you could hire them in a couple of years or, uh, you know, the dreaded, uh, bad glass door review, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And did, did you have a system that you used uh, to break down technical questions? If you ran into something where you went, Oh, I, I don't know how to solve this. Yeah. So I think one of the tips that I was mentioning earlier to reduce the, uh, reduce the complete train wreck of a, of a performance is uh, thinking about it from a testing standpoint first. Uh, so, you know, almost by default, the candidates that are going to start out, not at, if it's a one to 10 scale, they're going to start out at two or three at, at just a, as a baseline. If they just start talking about tests, write some tests, um, figuring out um, what is the end, what is the desired end result and how can I, how can I just test to see that like a zero line uh, code like works or like the tests run, right? They run red. Um, so I, I'd say that's a starting point. I would say um, kind of what I hinted at earlier, which is uh, just talking it through with the interviewer. Um, and, and they might sound like obvious questions, but like you ask obvious questions every day to, to make sure you have a full understanding of, of what, what's being asked of you. So just saying like, okay, just confirming what the inputs are, confirming what the desired outcome is, uh, asking if there's, you know, a certain, like, are you looking for a recursive algorithm or, you know, mm -hmm. just, just like kind of not buying time necessarily, but just like making sure you really understand what's being asked of you. And, um, and sometimes those answers will guide you in the right direction. Um, Cause again, I, I don't think that interviewers are sitting there trying to punish you, right? They're, they're, they're not trying to give you the answer, but they also don't want to have an hour long awkward session sitting there staring at someone. Right. And so yeah. um, it's a little different when it's a take home, right? If it's a take home, I would still fire back some questions to the person, mm -hmm. especially if they've offered it. Um, uh, but uh, anyway, I, I, it's, it's a similar process. It's just async versus synchronous. Right. Totally. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I think that talking through it is, is very um, common advice that can easily get lost when you know, you have the fear of <laughs> now I'm interviewing. Uh, and it's exactly. interesting. Testing is something that I feel like, you know, everyone, every company wants to do tests. I think many get some part of the way there. Uh, what would you say for people who aren't testing day to day, you know, maybe myself included, who are going into interviews and they're thinking, okay, well, how do I, I don't know, at least address that in some way, shape or form? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, uh, I'm a very experiential learner. I do not learn. Uh, I mean, I learn a little bit academically, but I, I really start to understand something by doing it. And mm -hmm. so, um, so I would just say, you know, 
dive in, right? Uh, uh, when you're, one of the things that you can do to prepare for these interviews is signing up for one of these services like Code Wars or there's other ones out there where you can just yeah. do a kata a day and um, start, start there, start writing tests right there. Um, again, getting back to the experiential portion, when, when React kind of really started dominating some of the front end development work, it's not something I was using on a day-to-day basis when I was uh, when I was coding. So I built a little static site using um, using Gatsby uh, just to get the syntax, get the uh, idea of how how this uh, language works. And I would say the same thing with testing, right? If you're not doing it on a day-to-day basis, choose the dominant framework of your of your language, um, RSpec or Minitest if, if you're in Ruby, um, and and just dive in write a simple test, you know, uh, and, and just build, build on those skills from there. Totally. It makes a lot of sense. And I think we haven't mentioned it specifically, but something that's important to keep in mind is like having some type of side project or something that you could build on top of. Right. So I, like I have a project right now, I know I could implement tests into, right. And that would be a great way for me to learn. It's just, you know, you got to do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, any other advice or tips for, for people going into the technical interviews? Obviously, like you just mentioned, um, doing code wars or like interview cake or one of those leak code, I think is a popular one. Um, that's obviously helpful, right? Just for seeing the types of questions that are out there. Um, and some of the things you mentioned earlier, but any other ed- advice or tips for folks? So I don't know that this is a dominant philosophy, like with other companies, but at least from my perspective, um, I would say, uh, get really good at one language. Uh, and don't try to tailor your interview to the language of the company. So if you mm-hmm. know the company is a Java shop or a Python shop or a Ruby shop, and you don't have that skill set, mm-hmm. I would first ask, like, do you expect me to write it in whatever your language is? Because I think, you know, I, I don't know this for sure, but I think oftentimes the answer is going to be no. At least it would be for, for interviews I'm doing. Um, I, I tend to give people a stable of, of languages they could use. Um, I, I try not to leave it completely open-ended because if nobody on our team is, is you know, familiar with, you know, some like Rust, for instance, you know, then if you write your whole thing in Rust, we're not going to be able to give you good feedback and we're not going to be able to understand, um, understand the level that, that you're, you're delivering in. And so, um, so we generally would give people like, you know, a wide range of languages, you know, you know, we're talking like seven or eight choices. Uh, so hopefully you fall into one of those uh, seven or eight. Uh, but, but I would just say get really good at one. So you're not, mm-hmm. you're not trying to figure out the language while you're trying to figure out the problem. So get, yeah. get that part off the table and then just, you can just work on solving the problem. I, I think that's one big one that I would say, um, you know, t- starting with tests to me is always a great way to, to build build rapport with the interviewer, build confidence that they, that you've done this before and, and that you um, kind of know how, how it works uh, in a production environment. Um, like I said, diversity of problems, just try different stuff uh, from like the, the hyper academic side to the, you know, very pragmatic side. Um, so th- those are just some, some tips quick. Yeah, no, that that's helpful. That, that third piece there, I think it is, a lot of people think of it, uh, interviewing as like, they're all going to be these crazy difficult whiteboarding problems. But like what I see more, more frequently than like, um, than even something like bubble sort or some type of sorting algorithm, which 
not the craziest um, thing in the world. Like, it's not like reversing um, a linked list, right? But it's still a little bit more academic. Um, but I see much more common, like something straightforward, like um, uh, reverse a string or like pull something out of an array, right? Calculate something out of an array. And that's the type of stuff where I think if you're trying different problems, you'll realize that might be a little bit more straightforward. I think it's sometimes harder to find those problems online because if you looking for interview prep often it's geared towards what's the most wide reaching and that's a you know sometimes are those those more academic problems yeah and i would say like when you're diving into to solve the problem if it's reverse a string for instance and and you're using uh like ruby for instance uh mm -hmm. i would start with the most straightforward solution so dot reverse on a string will reverse the string and of course it can be a little joke between you and the interviewer that, that that's not what they're looking for but yeah. it gives them an idea of like oh this person is familiar with the language and, and they can do it in the most straightforward way. And then now we can dive into the, you know, what you're actually looking for. Right. Yeah. I think that's something that can, like you said, it's almost a joke or you can like talk through, like, uh, let me see, what, what is the brute force solution? Can you at least mention that? Right. Like, Oh, yeah. we could use nested loops to do this, yeah. but we can probably find a faster way to do it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and literally that someone go, okay, well at least they, they've checked that box. Right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Or if it's like a sorting algorithm, I, you know, my, my first response might be like, like, again, while I'm trying to mentally figure out how I'm going to actually execute this problem, just talk through how you would solve it in the real world. I'd probably go out to GitHub and look for a gem that would help me with this. Right. Like if, if I'm doing this, uh, if I'm doing this, you know, in a production app and again, it, it gives them an idea of how you would solve the problem if it did come up. Like you're not going to, you're generally not going to write your own sorting algorithm uh if if you have to sort something right yeah right uh do you have different advice um for for early career engineers maybe in the first few interviews maybe the first technical interview yeah it's, it's so easy for me to say but uh you know just uh use it as a learning experience um don't be like your your nervousness your um your fright your if you're scared it's gonna come through and mm -hmm. uh and you know Again, it's easy for me as a white male, been in this industry for a long time to say, go in with confidence. I know that's easy, much easier said than done, but I would say that's true. Like go in that you're, that you are confident in your skill set. You're not trying to go in to be their, you know, staff engineer. You're, you're taking an entry level role and you're, you have confidence in your confidence in your skill set to do it. Give, give credit to all those hours you've put into training and to learning and whatever, whatever schooling or, or training you went through, give credit to that, right? You've done a lot of stuff. And so, um, like I said, easier said than done, but confidence is a big thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I always tell people, if you're looking at it as a learning experience, like it may go terribly wrong, but at least you, you can take something out of it. Right. And exactly. hopefully the next one gets a little better. So it only goes really poorly and then, you know, poorly <laughs> yep. you work your way up. Right. And yeah, all it takes is the, the whole, one to go well. It's, it's the whole sales technique, right? You're going to get way more no's than you're going to get yeses. And that doesn't make the no's sting any less, but, yep. um, but you can take, take those learnings and into the next experience. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I know you mentioned the story with Joe. Um, do you have any other personal interviewing horror stories to share before we move on to the, the technical portion? Man, I mean, that one was so brutal that uh, it's hard. It's hard to beat that one. Um, I, I don't know that I, I have uh, too many. other. I think the, the other one, the, the worst ones beyond that are when you do believe you did a great job. 
and you just don't see what they did that or you don't understand what they didn't see um and uh again maybe maybe it's an an overconfident thing maybe i didn't do a great job but i I at least felt like i did a great job and um and didn't get negative feedback during the interview or you know didn't get specifics and it's just like dang what what did i miss you know yeah yeah you know what um my time in recruiting taught me like there's there's so many people often that are in an interview process. Sometimes someone can be great, but if you're in the beginning of an interview process while someone else, you know, who's maybe not even better, (laughs) just good enough is at the tail end of the interview process and they need someone to start quickly. Well, that person's going to get an offer. Well, and you're not going to get poor feedback, right? But you just, it's basically, we ran out of time and that's sometimes difficult to to portray, right? To to people. So either that or just splitting hairs, right? There's a lot of good candidates out there. So, um, So, you know, if you have, if you have one role and you got two or three great people, unfortunately, you're going to be telling two of those people, the great people, no. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, let's take a break. And then when we come back, uh, we'll move into the technical portion. Sounds good. Thank you for watching the first half of the professional technical interviewee. The technical interview will be released one week from this episode. So be sure to subscribe to make sure you don't miss it. New episodes are released on the first four Thursdays of each month. Find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash or on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes. And remember, keep practicing.